This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. And if you want to join in on the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode or any other, please join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. This is Manny Cotto, executive producer of Star Trek Enterprise. You're listening to Warp 5 on Trek FM. How we doing, Trip? Ready when you are. Prepare for warp. Course laid in, sir. Request permission to get underway. Welcome, Boomers, to another episode of Warp 5, Trek FM's dedicated Enterprise show. I'm your host, Floyd Dorsey, and I'm joined, as always, by the chief engineer and co-host, Brandon Shea-Mutala. How you doing, Brandon? I'm doing good, but today I'm the tactical officer, and I'm firing phasers. Uh-oh. Shake the ship! Shake, shake forward, shake. not to the other side, right? Well, yeah, i got to make sure I stay in camera. So, yeah, Boomers, for this episode of Warp 5, we actually have a special guest coming aboard. It's Mr. Jim Morehouse. Jim actually played an extra role as a relief tactical officer in the fourth season episode, Awakening. And he's agreed to stop by to tell us a little bit about his experience. And we're actually recording the intro after we've had the interview, and I'm just sitting here in tears. I was laughing the whole time. So I really like that. That was fun. That was fun, Brandon. Yeah, I'm really glad that he came on. There were some pretty interesting stories. I mean, as a Star Trek fan, what an amazing experience to be on set for a day and to get to be on an episode of Star Trek. Like, that's pretty darn special. And I would give just about anything to do that as well. So uh, I'm moving to Toronto. Very good. Right. So I can be on Discovery. That sounds good. Or at least just sneak on, right? All right, so sneak Brandon, on. let's go ahead and let's take it over and bring in Jim for us. Well, welcome, Jim. Thank you so much for joining us today. Do you prefer Jim or do you prefer James? Uh, I go by both, but Jim is good. Jim for, is good. For right my on. personal friends. For my personal friends. So well, James it is then, I guess, hey? <laughs> Perfect. And I was fired up to be here. It's uh, I've been listening to Warp 5 for a long time, so it's great to uh, join you guys. Yeah, excellent. So for those that don't know... Jim Warhouse is known throughout the universe as Enterprise Extra, and the reason why was because he was an extra on a season four episode of Enterprise, and we've invited him onto the podcast today so that we can kind of ask him, what was it like to be on the set? So the first question I want to ask for you here today, Jim, is, so tell us about the contest. What contest was it that got you onto this? Yeah, it's actually a good backstory. Was the, so there was an auction it was a, it was basically an, a walk-on role auction that was put on I can't even remember the company it was something like ultimate 
bid or something. It was put on by Robert Duncan McNeil for a local school in L.A. And I noticed it and said, I'm going to monitor this. I had literally just gotten a little bonus at work and was like, told my wife, I'm going to monitor this thing and just see what number it ends up as. And just see if I can go for it after a couple of weeks. So after about 10 days, I was monitoring it and it was a really low number. And that was at the kind of the low point of Star Trek's popularity. You know, it was starting to dim there at the end of the third. It was the end of the third season, and they were lucky to kind of get the renewal for season four. So, uh, long story short, I last day or two just saw that it was a low number. I said, "I'm going to go for it." And then, with about two hours to go in the thing, I put in my first bid. And there was somebody else out there doing the same thing because they bid. <laughs> and so the two of us just went back and forth and it went a little bit higher, but higher than I wanted to pay. And I never really tell anybody the money, but I always say it's what you would pay for a nice two-week vacation. Oh. And trust me, I got way more out of this than what any two-week vacation would have been. Yes. So, so basically it came down to that with literally with one three minutes to go – I said, I'm putting in one more bid. I had a friend of mine with me. I was at work. I said, if this other guy bids over it, I'm out. And I bid in. Nothing happened. The clock ticked down. I said, you have won a walk-on role on Star Trek. And I was literally running around my office celebrating, (laughs) celebrating. But but let me add, I knew that all that meant was, all that means is I was going to get a set visit. And I was going to be in some kind of costume in a scene. Could be the back of my boot, in the back of a market scene it could be nothing right so it's basically a set visit so i immediately started to work it when i had when the studio reached out to let them know hey i'm a professional i don't live in my mom's basement i can (laughs) do more and at some point it it you know it came together pretty well they had thrown a couple of potential dates out there and i turned down one opportunity to, to actually be a alien in the borderland uh slave market scene <laughs> which I'd thought about, but, and then about a week later they called and said, all right, hey, uh, so it was just some, it was just a PA, right, who didn't, just doing her job, didn't care. We, they need someone to, like, be at the tactical station and fire the phasers, and I was like, yeah, uh, yes, please, yes, thank you, I think, I, I can be there that day, yes, okay, let, let me think about there. it, let me think about it for a second, <laughs> let me talk to my uh, agent, we'll make sure that's okay, right? <laughs> Exactly. So, so that that worked out. That's that's kind of the backstory of how it came together. I was really lucky. I can just imagine you running around your office telling them, "I quit. I quit. Oh. I'm going to be on Star Trek." <laughs> well, the irony is, is that after I did it and after it appeared, I was like, "I don't. There's really. I don't. There's nowhere to go from here." I was on Star Trek. I literally dreamed about this my whole life. I have, I have no other goals. <laughs> well, that's that's funny that you say that because you're not really a big Star Trek fan or anything, are you? Oh Jim? yes, I am a diehard. I have loved it my whole life. So yes, you know that. And if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see that that's all I really ever want to do is talk about Star Trek. So, when did you discover Star Trek? Uh, when I was in, in the seventies, I I watched it as part of the uh, the syndication with my brothers and uh, fell in love with it then, and then got into it even more with the with the films. And you know the irony is I was one of those guys when TNG was coming back that 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 six months of like what you can't do I was like twenty years old and you know just filled with rage like nah you can't do that and then after about three episodes I was like this is pretty awesome 
I think. That's exactly right after Code of Honor. <laughs> yeah. Right, right after Code of Honor, you're like, yeah, this is great. That's exactly what happened <laughs> to me. That was exactly because I was same. like, that is not Kirk. That is not Kirk. That exactly. guy is too bald. What is going on here? Yeah. Yep. And and now he's my, uh, if you check out Trek ranks, he's my number one ranked character. <laughs> yeah, right on. So before we get into track ranks and whatnot, so why don't you tell us? So you got the phone call. They said, do you want this role that's going to be on the bridge in the tactical station? How many how many days were you on set for? Was it just one so, day? Yeah, I was there for, for two days on set. One was uh, was the uniform fitting day. And, and again, I went in knowing that I could show up and the director, who I didn't know who was going to be at that time, could change their mind and say, no, nah, you're not sitting there. You're going to be back here because that's how it rolls. So, uh, But the first day I was there for about half a day and I got my uniform uh, fitted and tested actually by Bob Bachman, which is one of my f- favorite moments from being there when when he walked in and was like helping fit my uniform and telling them the measurements they needed to take out. So that was cool. Um, and then the next – so that night I was uh, – Literally, it was funny. I was waiting for my call time, right? So they have a, a producer who calls and tells you when you have to be on set. And he call, and these guys, when they say they work long hours, these guys work crazy long hours. So he called me at about 8 o'clock and said, my call time is like 11.30. And I was like, okay, great. And then I hung up and I'm like so bummed. I'm like, 11.30? I don't want to wait around till 11.30. So he calls back about 90 minutes later and says, all right, they changed it. Now your call time is 8.30. And I'm like, yes, I will be there. Of course, I was there probably at 7.30. Um, So, yeah, so then showed up the next morning and uh, picked up my uniform and walked over to the set. I was about to say 11.30. That just that sounds awesome because usually we hear about the actors saying they have to get there at like five for makeup or six (laughs) or something. If you'd have played an alien, you know, you could have been there like 3.30. Right. You know. Yeah, true, true. Um, and it's funny because when you hear those stories, I mean, I'm telling you, this was a Friday night. I was there from 8 a.m. until probably 11.45 at night. These guys were working like dogs until 10.30, 11 o'clock at night. And I don't know how they, I don't know how they do it. I was actually, it had been done. They let me get out of uniform and said I could just hang around and watch the last filming of a couple of scenes. And I was watching, it was Awakenings, the episode, I was watching the scene where they're in the shuttle pod trying to go down to the planet and they get uh, the Vulcans kind of stop them. And I was literally falling asleep. <laughs> the, me, the guy who's been waiting for this his whole life. It's like 930 and I'm dead tired and I'm like, what am I doing? I'm fall- How did these people do this? It was crazy. That's funny. <laughs> See, I was on set once. I can't even remember the name of it. It was like the, it was called The Edge of War. It was like a mini series that was all about events that led up to war, and it was kind of done in the way of an unsolved mysteries, where they would have like you know the faces talking to the camera, and then they would cut away to the to the reenactment. And I was in the reenactment, and I was the guy that was in jail that they were breaking out of this Cuba's Cuban cell. And like, yeah, I was I was all excited, but it was it went till pretty late, and I was like sleeping on set. And they're like, "Okay, Brandon, you're up," and I'm like, "Ooh, ooh, ooh," and I like ran up to where I had to be and and everything. So yeah, I know what you're talking about, but I mean, this is Star Trek, Jim. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. I know the hours they put in, and it was just one one weak moment. <laughs> the 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 director's chair I was in was so comfortable. Right on. So, so you started like what was it like walking onto the set the first time, walking onto the bridge? Yeah, it's exactly what you would imagine. So I, 
I got out of so I went to makeup and they did my hair like a nerdy Starfleet person um, combed it down and then literally I mean you open the door and you walk out and it's the bridge was the first thing and you know I just remember it like it was yesterday one of the smartest things I did was write down my entire experience the next day I just wrote all day about 20,000 words just so I could remember literally every single thing and when I first saw that set, it was, uh, yeah, it's just like they say. It felt like you were, you were there. It's the first thing you see. Mm-hmm. So, so the, we always brag about the detail of the sets. And we look at the high-def pictures, and we look at the behind-the-scenes photos. So you were, you were actually yep. there. So what can you tell us about like, the details that you saw of the sets? Yeah, the detail is exactly the, the folklore you hear. It was, it's, you feel like you're on a ship, and... And on this ship in particular, with all the buttons and all the screens, and uh, and even the I always tell the story about the the handles, which I never noticed before when I was watching the little handles above, uh, behind the tactical and and uh, the bridge stations, where you can pull them down and you I mean all the buttons I mean, you can't actually push the buttons because they're just little rubber things, but um, yeah, absolutely incredible. And the back room with the uh, when it the the observation deck when it was lit up um with that table incredible just everything was was immaculate and you know I'll, well, I'm sure we'll talk about it but in one of my scenes when I put the ship on red alert they ran through the uh first they ran through the the uh, the dry run just to get everybody kind of situated and then the first time we actually did it all the light when I push the button, all the lights go out. The red comes up, and I'm just—you can literally see me grinning. It's like, oh my god, that just happened. I've been <laughs> like, yes, I did. Amazing. It. Yes, yeah, incredible. So, um, did you sneak a seat in the captain's chair while you were there? I did. I did. I got. I got the proverbial picture in the captain's chair at the end of the day. So that was awesome. Great, comfortable chair. Um, but I got to tell you, I like that tactical seat too. It was pretty comfy. Yep. Nice. I always, at the end of the episode, when uh, Malcolm's back in it, I'm always like, yeah, jerk. That jerk. <laughs> Took your seat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you were on the set for, you said eight o'clock until, and then when were you done record, uh, like filming the scene itself? So it was a full day and I was in five different scenes, um, so it started. And by the way, Roxanne Dawson was the was the director of the episode. So when I found that out, I was excited. It was on my my list of. There's about three things that I really wanted when I went in that I'd hoped I could get, and all of them came true. One was to be on to be in Starfleet uniform. I thought that was my first choice if I could, rather than just be a background. Two to be on a standing set, like either the bridge, obviously first choice, but engineering or something like that as opposed to set of the week on the planet and then three was to have maybe have one of the legendary directors or former cast members directing and it was Roxanne Dawson so so basically the first half of the day half of the morning was just watching them film a couple other scenes and get their setting right for lighting and everything and then it was about 10 or 10 30 when they called me over and said, okay, we need the guy. And by the way, they were treating me just like an extra. It was There was nothing special. No one cared about the contest. It was literally like when I got there, it was like, okay, stand in the corner. All the extras stand over there. And when I tell you, it's like a dingy, dark corner. 
and they don't care about them, they, they really don't. So I'm hanging back there with them, and I so that's where they wanted me, and I kept moving over behind like the director's area, the 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 camera central, so I could watch everything that was going on. And I'm sure I was bugging people, but I obviously didn't care. Oh man, so, I did not expect you to say that. <laughs> No, it's absolutely true. They literally no there was no special treatment or anything like that. Not that I care. Again, I do not that was not part of this deal. You know what um, I'm picturing right now, Floyd? So my kids watch a lot of SpongeBob SquarePants, right? And there was like this scene where SpongeBob and the starfish are like in this wrestling ring getting their asses kicked and they're smiling the whole time. And they're all like it's the greatest thing ever. And they're just getting beat up. And at the end it's like you could have like a million dollars or you can have like I don't know what the other prize was. It was like unlimited hamburgers or something like that. And they're like, we want the hamburgers. And like, <laughs> I don't know. It's a tangent. I'm sorry. Wow. Well, there, there, there was, uh, I got to think of his name and I'll, and I will in a second. I can't remember the guy's name. He was the first AD. Uh, wow. What was his name? Yeah. It'll come to me, but he actually was cool. He, he was trying to treat me a little bit, uh, different, make sure I got experience out of it. But there's, but some of the other people just did not care. So, um, and I'll, actually, the side story I'll tell you: at the beginning, when we they were kind of waiting around doing some setup, I, uh, they, of course, they, I was going to get a tour at some point of the sets, but it was pitch dark in the back, and they didn't want me to take any pictures or anything. But I totally snuck around the whole backside of the set, down all the all the corridors into engineering and uh and took a bunch of pictures so um i think the statute of limitations on that crime is passed. yeah yeah and they're and they're all over my website so uh yeah so anyway i when i when they called me up it was a scene where trip is walking out to talk to velas and they just they literally they walked me out to the set through the uh the captain's quarters so I literally, the door opened and I walked out and I'm on the bridge and it's all lit up and I take the seat in the tactical chair in the tactical station and it was, it was surreal. I'm not going to, I mean, it was like you would imagine uh, for any diehard Trekkie to actually be able to do that. So when they're filming that scene, so there's nothing on the screen, right? Like that's all post-production. Where yeah. That so, video and, went, right? I, and when I, when I show people my five scenes, this is the one where I always say, this is my, actually my little, my best bit of acting. Because uh, <laughs> because Trip walks out and he starts to talk to the view screen as he's walking to the captain's chair, and right as they're cutting away, I give a little glance up to the screen. Hey, there's no screen there, man. There's no screen. That's all acting. <laughs> so yeah, but uh, yeah, that was. A, I mean, listen, all the scenes are really short. I'm on screen for maybe twenty seconds. But uh, but I was in you know five of them and got to put the ship on red alert and fire the phasers. So nice, pretty, pretty amazing. Did Roxanne Dawson give you any specific direction directly to you? So that okay, this is one of the good stories. So she again, she by the way thought I was a totally just a random extra until about eight o'clock at night when some oh David Trotty is his name. David Trotty, awesome dude. He was the uh, uh, first, the second assistant director or whatever on set. Uh, so he introduced me and said, hey, she, he won a, an auction for Robbie Duncan McNeil. She's like, oh, I'll bring him over. Took a picture. She was super nice. And we talked. 
And she did like say, oh yeah, when you were kind of hovering over the director's chair, I was like, who? Is, what is this guy doing? So now, now I get it. But she gave me one one bit of direction. But I'm gonna tell you a little secret. I didn't take it, and here's why: because I knew. So I also got to do the sh- the. I had the. Exp- I mean, not only did I put the ship on red alert, fire the phasers, but I got to do the shake, and I had sparks sparks explode over my head. So in one of the takes. I, everybody was told to shake to the right, okay? And I'm at the tactical station, and the camera is like a little bit to my right. So I know if I shake to my right, I'm going to shake out of the frame. So as everyone's shaking right, I shake forward, so I'm going into the frame. And it totally worked, because it totally made the, that shot made the cut. And uh, I thought you were gonna say you're gonna pull Uhura because there's like a there's a scene in one of the original series episodes where everyone goes like screen left and she goes screen right. Well, or or stands up and rolls and yes. rolls against the uh, the bridge right. as a stand stand up barrel roll. Uh, so, so yeah, so, so basically so, you could say that that scene was starring and directed by Jim Morehouse. Yeah, I just totally, I was like, no, this director, not, they don't direct me. I will decide. <laughs> but honestly, that is exactly what happened. I was literally like, I know if I shake that way, I'm out of this frame. So I shook into it, and you can see my big head right in the right in the frame. Um, <laughs> and then there, But there was some other direction from, mostly from the guys, from the grips and stuff who were on set, who were totally awesome amazing pros they, they a couple of guys told me okay this is how malcolm does it when he's on this when if you're if he's putting a ship on if on red alert he like does something with his left hand over here and then he finishes it by pushing something on the right and so that's what i did so just like they said it's pretty cool and while you're at it you're re- you're uh changing the settings <laughs> changing the yeah. settings you know you're re- renaming it the gym alert and yeah I was try- trying to rewrite the the pages that day on on the script. It's like this motivation is not working for Actually, me. Actually, Roxanne, I think we should go this way, right? <laughs> if I could give you a tip here, Roxanne, I mean, I know you've done this a couple times, but well, actually, and actually, it's funny, and I, I I write about this on the site. There was another point where there was a a scene and the angle they were shooting. It was you know they were shooting all these different angles to capture everything, and no one had me move back to my chair, even though I was kind of not in it, but there was, I kind of was. And I actually, and I went to David and said, David, shouldn't I be in my tactical chair or tactical station right now? And he's like, Oh yeah, good point. So he asked Roxy, he said, Oh yeah, yeah. He needs to be there. He needs to be there. So again, if I hadn't said that, they would have totally forgot. There's no way I would have been in the seat. So basically this whole episode was directed by (laughs) (laughs) living the dream. So there's another picture on your website where you're with this woman and it looks like it's sick bay with a big yes. plastic thing over Flox's stuff there. Okay, that's good. Yeah, that's another good segue into a little. So at lunchtime, uh, we went. That was I can't remember the stage number. Eight, I think, and we went over to stage nine and had uh, where they had all the the lunch set up, and that's where all the sick bay and the. Uh, the commissary set was, and also the curving uh, corridors. So not the straight ones, but the curved ones. And there's and some of the crew quarters were over there too. And they were all shut down. So they so basically we had like 
45 minutes to eat, and so I ate in like six minutes and was like, I'm going to go walk around the sets. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> so that was that woman was another extra who was there, and she was super cool. She was, I can't remember her name. She had just moved back from Australia, a really nice woman, and although at the start of the day she was like, you paid to do this, and this is what I do for a living? Okay, dude. So... <laughs> But uh, so we walked around, got a few pictures. But the the best part of that story is what the script supervisor, whose name I can't remember, it was not Cosmo, it was the a, a woman on uh, on set. Uh, we walked into sick bay and she was sleeping on one of the. She was taking a nap on one of the uh, the, the uh, bio, bio bits. Wow. And I literally, and I was like, "Oh, sorry." I was like, "Can you take a picture of us?" <laughs> So, yeah, it was pretty funny. I felt bad, but she was super cool. But totally woke Why her up. Why was all that plastic up, though? Because it was just covered, because they weren't shooting. So it was just, okay. to, pro- just to protect it. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, so you can kind of get a feel for Sick Bay there, but there was no really good shots in there without the plastic. Okay, so this is something that I just thought of, and I hadn't even thought to ask anyone else that's been on the show. But since you're talking about it on the sets and everything like that... Um, in the original series, they had famous uh, bloopers where there were actually people that were sliding the doors open and closed. So were the doors, that, did you ha- really have to push a button to open the doors? Or like, what What was that? That's a really good question. No, they were, I'm pretty sure they were automatic. Okay. But they were, uh, but they were controlled offset. I'm trying to think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were. Because there was a, there was a. I can't remember the name of it, but there was an electronic center right where Archer's uh, ready room is, mm-hmm. and they had all the electronics in there to control everything on the set. Okay. So that's where the that's where the uh, the read alert came up, and all the different screens, and of course the doors. Okay. So as far as I know, as far as I know, it's a great question though. I'm not 100 percent sure. So like that. the door, but there was definitely not there was definitely not a guy back there <laughs> pulling them open because there was no room for that. Right. That was actually that was that was a blooper though that you can see is because there's like two guys that are hanging up above the set opening and closing the doors, and then I just thought of like they probably have a motor on it, but did they really have to have a motor for you to open and close it? And then and if it, if it's on remote control, then somebody better not fall asleep, you know, when it's time to push the button. <laughs> well, one of the, one of the best I was actually hoping it would make the bloopers because I would have been smack in the middle of it, but. Uh... Actually, it was my very first scene when Trip is walking out to talk to Velas. He absolutely tripped and stumbled all the way through to the captain's chair, and it was hilarious. I was like, "That should, can I? Who can I tell to make sure that's on the bloopers?" <laughs> so Trip, Trip. So who have you? Who did you meet on the set? Like, which which of the main stars did you get to meet? And did you get a chance to talk to any of them at all? Yeah, I got to meet uh, everybody, but pretty much except for. Uh, Scott Bakula and Jolene Blaylock because they were on the surface of Vulcan that day, yeah, yeah. and we were trying to rescue them. But everybody else, so I was in scenes with with uh, Linda Park and uh, Connor Trenier was awesome. He was in charge of the set and obviously trying to fill that Bakula role and had learned from him. So super cool dude. Uh, I got to meet Anthony. And Dominic later, when they they showed up to film that uh, shuttle pod scene at about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So, got to meet them. Oh, and then there was one scene on the bridge, because I'm actually in the very last shot of the show, 
where this is another one of my favorite stories because so I'm in four scenes at the tactical station and then when Connor comes out and says, hey, let's we're going to Andoria and then the credits flash up to be continued. When their close up is on Connor, I'm right over his shoulder pushing buttons back in the in the observation lounge. <laughs> and they filmed that scene twice. And the first scene, I was standing to my right and I w- wouldn't have been in the picture. And in the second take, the first AD, Dave Trotty, came over and said, Jim, just move over two feet to your left. And I did it, and it made the show. And I tell you, when that aired, I was... When that last shot was in there and I was in the background... Because that's all I wanted, right? That's literally... If I had just gotten that, I would be just as excited about this experience. And it was just cool to be in that last shot of the show with the to be continued. They got a shot of you back there trying to get ESPN. Like... Yeah, that's pretty much pretty much what it looks like. And the other thing was uh, Gary Graham, of course, because Saval was uh, was on the bridge that whole time, uh, which was cool. Because when I got there again, I, I don't I'm spoiler phobic, so I don't I didn't read anything on the internet about the story or anything. When I get there, I'm like, what the hell is Saval doing on the bridge in this episode? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> And he was he was a, he was actually a cool dude. He he was at the very end of the day. David, when I was finishing my last scene, made a little announcement that I had won the contest and was there. And it was like six or probably six or seven o'clock at night. And uh, Gary Graham had a, came over and said a couple of nice things. But the funny thing was, he said, "I've been on this show for four years. This is my first day on the bridge. You're over there firing the phasers. What is going on?" <laughs> That was, that was pretty funny. <laughs> it was pretty good. <laughs> Excellent, right on. So now, how was your reaction once the episode was all done and you got a chance to watch it? Another great question. So again, you go into it, you're thinking that, of course, you're you're going to be in it because you you filmed all this stuff, but you have no idea. It can end up on the cutting room floor. That all that stuff. You hear those stories all the time. So. And then, and I got the the script. So by the time it was airing, I kind of knew that it was a three part arc, and I knew that Tapao was going to be in the episode, which is one of the things that blew my mind that I was in an episode with Tapao. As I always like to say, I could have been in Precious Cargo, you know. But no, I was in the Vulcan trilogy. And Brandon, don't say you like Precious Cargo. I know you have weird taste, but do not say you like that. Um, it's not my favorite. Okay, so. Um, so after the when the first when the Forge was airing, and it's an amazing episode. It's my all time favorite Enterprise episode is the Forge. When it ended, the preview you know they go to commercial, and I'm like, oh my god, what if I'm in the previews? Could I? It's like a Friday night. I'm home at work. My wife's in bed. Like I that would be weird if I did, if I was in the pre. No chance I'm in the previews. So I start watching the previews. And they show me in the previews the explosion over my head, the camera sweeping away. I was literally screaming. I was like running around my house. I woke up my wife. I'm in the previews. I was. I am gonna be on Star Trek. And then the next week, it was like Thanksgiving when it aired, and uh, a lot of family and friends were were watching, having watch parties, and you know, knowing it was, you know, literally something I dreamed about my whole life to be able to do. It's pretty oh, pretty man, cool. That's so awesome. Yeah, that's so awesome. <laughs> right on. So, do you want to tell us before we we have some a few more wrap up questions at the end here? But is there anything else from the set that you want to tell that we that we haven't asked about yet? 
Oh, boy, I think I hit on most of these great stories. I, you know, one, there's a couple pictures where I, I have my, I have my camera in my pocket and you can actually see it on camera. And it's like, you know, 2004 era, uh, digital camera. So it's, so it's pretty big and it's sitting in my pocket. I, I did carry a communicator with me at all times in my zip up, uh, right forearm pocket. You carried it in the sleeve. Because, yes, okay, I did. That's, that's a given. My, that's a given. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, I think that, I mean, listen, it was just, it's amazing experience for what I got out of it. And the thing I always tell, I when people kind of find out about it or I'm telling them about it and they're like, oh, that's cool. I, I always, I say to them, tell me what your thing is. What would be your equivalent? If you could do something like this, pick anything you could do, what would it be? And... They invariably get it wrong because they say something like, like a friend of mine said, well, it would be, I guess if I could be on the bench for like a, uh, for the Red Sox at a Red Sox game. And I said, no, so that's where you're wrong. It would be you getting an at-bat in a Red Sox game. I fired the phasers on Star Trek. That's, how, that's what this is. And he's like, oh, okay, I get it now. So I always use that analogy so people understand, you know, what the level of, you know, dream fulfillment that that it was. So, I love it. Right on. Su- it's super so, lucky. How did your perception of Enterprise change with this? Like, like before you were on it, and now afterwards, was Enterprise ever your favorite? Is it your favorite series now? I love this question this? because it's it's my fourth favorite series, and uh, it I've loved it since the beginning. I was on board. I get it. Broken Bow is my all time favorite pilot for Trek. I love what they did with the Vulcans. I will defend that and argue that with anybody any day. That that made perfect sense and fit continuity. I love the NX-01. It was the perfect ship to build into uh, our Enterprise, the TOS Enterprise. I just think everything they did with it was perfect. It was at a weird time, so this you know this new peak television age with the way storytelling is going. It was kind of right at that that crux where it was starting to change. And um, so it was a little bit of prisoner of its time, a little bit with uh, the Trek lore, but uh, yeah, it didn't change at all. That's, that's the answer to that question. I've all loved it from then and uh, from the beginning and, and loved it to the end as I am with all Trek. Right on. Cause yeah, like when, when enterprise started, like it's, it's probably, it's my third or my fourth favorite of the sh- series. It depends yeah. on what, and that hasn't really changed for me, but I definitely have noticed that since I've started coming on to war five here with Floyd and co-hosting with him, you know, my opinion of it has changed a little bit more. And I try and like make sure that I mention enterprise a little more, or I look for it a little bit more. I was surfing the uh, the Twitter handle at SwearTrek the other day. I don't know if you haven't seen it. You got to yes, see it. it's hilarious. Of course, it's and great. Uh, I'm like I'm looking through it. I'm like, come on, there's got to be some Enterprise ones in here. So I was like, <laughs> you know, so I was all... like specifically looking for Enterprise gifts on SwearTrek the other day. He basically does uh, just Bacula time on uh, that's right, on yeah. SwearTrek. I need to. I'm gonna. My my dream is to send him a couple of my uh, my gifts and get him to do uh, some kind of SwearTrek. <laughs> special with uh, with me nodding at trip to uh put the ship on red alert <laughs> right on so so now that you've done this you've kind of got this this persona that's known out there now as as enterprise extra you know you're using you're you're using this experience to share your love of trek you've got your your podcast out there right now but you know when you meet these guys again at conventions do they remember you or 
do they remember you because you meet them so often at the conventions or what? No, no. And it's, it, and it's not about that. I mean, the, the last thing on my list, the things that I care about, and I want to say this the right way, is kind of meeting the stars or being part of it. I'm much more about the below the line guys and the creators of the, the, you know, the sets and the writing and the music and things like that. Those are the things that get me ginned up about the 50 year mythology of Trek. So it's never been about that. And I, of course I knew those guys, they're actors and they're, they all did a great job and most of them are great guys, but yeah, there's no expectation that they would have any memory of me. And when I, it's funny when I started the Twitter thing, I, uh, yeah, I know I know nothing about social media, but a friend of mine, actually it's uh, at the Insane Robin, Tristan, was, we worked together. And he said, oh, you should get on Twitter, and uh, there's a great Star Trek community and everything. So I just got on and started doing it, and I uh, signed up, just went, okay, Enterprise Extra, I'll tell people my story that way. And really it's all about just being able to engage and talk with people about Trek. That's all I want to do. Right on. So and then when did you start the website, the Trek Ranks, and how long how long have you been on Twitter now? Yeah, I've been on Twitter. I guess about five years, maybe maybe 2011, 2010. And uh, yeah, I started the. I've always been a, just loved. I just think of things in terms of numbers and stats. Everything I do in my career and and life. So I've always kind of had favorites, and I always like talking to people about what are the things you like or don't like. And I think those are a great way to engage people and have conversation so i one day just sat down and ranked all my all my episodes did it well, not one day it was a one month and uh, <laughs> and then put it together and then i thought maybe i'll try to put it in a website and then over one holiday i just sat down and figured out how to create a website and put it together and i i think it's a pretty good website i mean it's not gonna be refreshed anytime soon but it's a fun little resource to kind of see how some people look at at certain things and how you can contrast and compare you know your favorites and as i always say on our trek ranks podcast our mantra is no wrong no wrong answers exactly no wrong answers <laughs> right Floyd, do you got any more questions um no i'm just i'm really glad that you came on jim um i've been cracking up the whole time you you've been you've been a great guest uh i was wondering earlier cuz we had T- tucker smallwood on and warp 5106 and that was just that was he told some great stories but one of the things that we talked about was that he was actually never a named character so uh one of the thing he never had a name but he made yeah. he made up his own name so then was there ever a chance that you were going to get named? And if not, what was what? What did you say that your name was? Nice. Okay, this this is actually great. I'll, I'll segue into a little story. And again, this is me being a, a internet luddite, not knowing much. It was probably two thousand five or two thousand six. I found Memory Alpha, and or maybe it was later. I don't know. Uh, and uh, and I realized someone said, "Oh, it's a wiki. You can update pages there." And I was like, "Oh." I'm going to put myself in the the wiki. I'm going to add myself here as tactical officer Morehouse. So I literally, you know, not thinking, I don't, I don't know what's going on. Just like, so I put it in there, write a little bio for myself and upload it. And I'm not kidding you within 12 seconds, I get like multiple emails from monitors. I have no idea who these guys are. Like, what is this? What are you doing? This is not valid. You cannot do this. You can't post this. I'm like, I'm sorry. I have no idea what I'm doing. I was just trying to have some fun. My name's this. I was in an episode. Here's the deal. 
And so they I can see them having a conversation back and forth where they're like arguing about the validity. And one of the guys like, I am going to check the DVDs. Okay, I have them out. Okay, I verified. Yes, I verified. He is. Those are his photos. He is in the episode. And then they change the whole thing to unnamed extras or something page. So I do have my memory alpha page, but uh, that's how it came about. So I don't have a name, and I never really thought about it. <laughs> well, well, if Dayton Ward is listening, then maybe you and him can write a novel about the, the rise and fall of, of uh, Tactical Officer Morehouse. I, I, I like to say he's there somewhere on the ship. <laughs> Excellent. Right on. Jim, thanks so much. Why don't you tell people about your podcast? Tell them. I know we've said it a few times right now, but again, tell us where they can find you and, uh, and That's great. tell us it all. Yeah, you can reach me at Enterprise Extra on Twitter or at Trek Ranks on Twitter. And we have uh, uh, my website, trekranks.com. And we started our podcast with the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network uh, earlier this year. And we love it. All we do is rank Trek and have fun conversations about the reasons we love Star Trek on Trek Ranks. So check it out. Yeah. There's been some fun ones. Like one of the episodes you did was all about top favorite food moments. Yes, that was a good one. We we got the some deep episode. cuts and some and some big broad topics. Yeah, it's fun because you're not just like, what's your favorite episode? And then every week it's like, oh, what's your favorite episode? What's your favorite episode? You know, you're doing something different. The last one was on top data moments. Yeah, there's you know. uh, we we got a few deep cut ideas coming up that I think people are gonna like. So nice, excellent, right on. Well, cool. Thanks very much. And Thanks, uh, if you ever want to come on again, maybe someday we can do an audio commentary for Awakening and uh, you can join us for an Awakening commentary. <laughs> oh, man, that would be fun. That's a great idea. And you guys do a great job, Brandon. You're obviously a prolific guy all over the place. And Floyd, I love Warp 5, so keep doing what you're doing, man. Right, thank you so much. Excellent. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right, that was great. That was a... That was a great conversation. I was cracking up the whole time. Like I'm trying to sit away from my microphone. So my laughing doesn't mess up what he's saying and you don't have to edit it out. That was, that was, that was hilarious. Yeah. It's pretty special. I mean, like to be able to go and get your photo with Roxanne Dawson to be able to walk the sets and, you know, take pictures wherever you're going. And, you know, for the show that at that time he'd been watching for three and a half years, you know, and he's been watching Star Trek since, what did he say? The mid seventies or whatever during reruns. So that was 30 years of his life that he's been watching Star Trek. And, you know, for him to be able to go on set and have this wonderful experience. And like I like that story you said with that other extra where she's like, so you paid to do this? Right. Really? <laughs> like kind of like looking at him like he's taking someone else's job, you know, or something. <laughs> but yeah, I, I was just thinking of that when he was talking about how excited he was. Like he was, he was talking to us uh, – before he we actually started recording about how much he you know he liked work five and what we did here at trek fm and things like that i was like oh wow i didn't realize how much of a fan he was when he was coming in really and then i was like oh well this would be like if one of us you know listeners of trek fm or hosts of trek fm were to get chosen to be an extra on discovery or on Deep Space Nine or Voyager or, or any, you know, one of the shows when it was coming in. Oh my goodness, that would be amazing. That'd be pretty special. And I, I don't know, I'm envious because, uh, you know, at that time, like I wouldn't have been, I, I, the contest that he said I'd never heard of or anything. So it's pretty funny because I've been on a few eBay 
eBay bids where you're like that in the last couple minutes, the bids oh, just yeah. start going up. So it's kind of funny that somebody else was there doing the same thing as him, watching the bids to the last day. And there's probably Robert Duncan McDeal, McNeil sitting there like, man, why is this bid so low? And then all of a sudden there's right. whoosh. Well, yeah, he's a tactical <laughs> officer. So he's, he's, it's called bid sniping. He's, he's trying to bid snipe at the end. He got in a, he got in a sniper duel with some, another bidder there. Um, but yeah, that's that's really that's really cool. And and he said that it it was the amount of a really nice two week vacation. So, man, but he said it was way better than any vacation you could have gone on. So, I'm I'm so yeah, glad for him. Right. But uh, talking to Enterprise Extra is not the only thing we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. So here's what else you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek FM, Meta Treks. I don't like to have too much time, Zachary, to sit and contemplate because I do sometimes end up second-guessing my my decisions. But that... Second-guess your whole life if you second guess, yourself, yeah, you second-guess know, Absolutely. That's not good. <laughs> absolutely. And honestly, that is a recurring theme, I think, in this season. Standard Orbit. Well, I, I think everything comes back to the naked time for him, and he just can't get away from swords. Running around with a sword. Yeah. Just running around with a sword. So maybe it was this episode that started that whole thing, but man, yeah, he's, it's kind of an odd thing <laughs> that he's, he's defined by a sword in his hand, you know. Literary Treks. Oh, Matthew, I'm doing just fine. You know, it's always fun every week to hop on here and talk Star Trek books and comics with you, and I don't know if you realize this, Matthew, but this is our two hundredth episode of literary ter- wait a minute matthew we don't host this show anymore and introducing the edge a star trek discovery podcast but if i ended up missing an episode i would record 45 minutes of blank space on my vhs tape and then i would wait until it came around and then i would put the episode in its proper order this explains so much and that's what else is happening on trek.fm Check out these shows and find out what we're talking about on your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit that subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And while you're there, please leave us a star rating and written review. If you're not an Apple user, we've still got you covered. You can find all our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file or grab the RSS link from our website. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show. Uh, what, did, what did you think about all the stories, the behind-the-scenes that we heard from the extra? I mean, he was confirming things that we've actually heard about, like how great this, the sets were and everything like that. Oh, what did you think about that? The best place to join in that discussion is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the search field on Facebook or join in on all the fun. You can also find the network on Twitter at TrekFM and Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. And if you'd like to send us a voice transmission, the comm officer has the frequency open. Just go to SpeakPipe.com slash TrekFM, record your message, and Brandon Shea will add you to a future episode. Yes, we would love to hear from you. Please send us a voicemail. Please, please send us emails, and we'll get to them as quick as we can, and we'll put them in the show. But uh, I, I want to have messages from you guys, because we care what you think. We care what you think about the podcast. We care what you think about uh, 
what we're doing, and we hope we're doing a good job for you guys. So speakpipe.com slash trek.fm. Download the SpeakPipe app and send us a quick little voicemail. It doesn't have to be long. You know, you could tell us we're terrible. It might hurt our feelings, but we'll probably put it in there right. as well. And so. we might be one of the first shows to have a SpeakPipe file. Like I have... Oh no! There's oh, been a few. There there's have? been a few. Out well, there. We're, we're, we'll be yeah, one yeah. of the few, one of the first. You know, we'll we'll yeah. be technically the first because we're a prequel. So let's let's put it that way. We'll we'll be. I go. love it. That works go. for we're, me. Yeah. We'll get into that timey wimey stuff. Also, if you want to let us know how we're doing, we'd love to hear from you through email. You can go to our website at trek.fm/contact, choose send to a show, and select warp five, and that comes right to us. If you'd like to help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. There are lots of perks there. There's different uh, donation levels that you can choose from. Just see what comes natural to you or what you feel right about. And if you'd like to keep helping us uh, bring all these great Trek FM shows to you, that would really help a lot. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash Trek FM. I always like to thank our co-associate producers. They support Warp 5 and the Trek FM network through Patreon. That's Mike Morrison, Tim Cooper, Justin Oser, and Mark Flessa. I also like to send out a special shout out to Tony Robinson for creating the very cool show art and Brandon Shea. Thank you so much for the editing that you do for publishing and publishing Warp five. And I've got to say, you've been killing it, man. You've been killing it with the guests and the show ideas. You've been doing a great job. So thank you so much. Yeah, we got a few fun episodes coming up. I mean, if you want to get ready for the next one, I mean, should everything go according to schedule and right, we're actually, uh, we actually got a really fun idea planned for you know not every episode over the next while but like every couple of months we're going to do this we're going to do the enterprise movie night so if you remember the episodes they had movie night so we're actually going to go through one at a time and we're going to watch the movies that they watched on movie night and then we're just going to talk about the movie for something fun so uh we're going to go through all of them mike schindler's going to join us for a few of them i'm hoping for all of them but uh mike schindler from stage nine but on the next episode of warp five we're going to talk about for whom the bell tolls which i've never seen in my before uh but i mean there's some great movies that are in here there's the Remember they had the greatest trilogy of movies ever with Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, and Son of Frankenstein? They talked about it in one episode. And uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, I can't wait for you to see Floyd, is called The Wages of Fear. And it's this old French film. And uh, this, I actually I collect movie posters, and I've got them hung on my wall. And I've actually got a framed poster of The Wages of Fear on my wall. So it's it's a really good movie. So it's pretty. The first time I watched it, I was on the edge of my seat. It's pretty suspenseful. Wow. So that that's really cool. But I looked at the list, and I don't know if I can hang with some of them. When you get to the very scary ones, I don't. I have actually never seen The Exorcist. So it, I I've seen. I've fallen asleep every time. I've it watched will be that the movie, very man. first time I've ever seen it. So I'm just. I'm kind of. I don't know. I'm hoping that I'm not disappointed in the time that it's taken me to watch it, <laughs> since I've watched all these other scary movies in the meantime. And I know that was always a scary movie that I always heard of, but I hope that it's still scary for me, you know? So uh, for those of you, boomers, those of you that have stuck with us to the end of this, this recording here, uh, thank you so much. And you've just got some inside info. Also, yeah. just maybe, just maybe, for those of you that have stuck around to hear, just maybe we might even have a game show coming on later in a few episodes. Oh, 
We're definitely having one. We just, we're planning out that we're going to be recording it in October. It'll be a little while that we have it, but the plan is to have uh, Dan and Bill from Trek Geeks come on, and we're going to have Stump the Geeks, plural. Very good, very good. So, <laughs> so yeah, for those of you that I'm have stuck around, there's one. some inside info that you've got on all those that already hit stop or fast forward or whatever. Shame on them, right? Shh, don't tell oh, them. Okay. Don't tell anybody. Okay. Yeah, that's our... No, I meant like the right, listeners. Don't right. like listeners. Yeah, don't tell yeah. anybody else. So yeah. you you stuck around. You won. You won the the inside info. So Brandon, if our listeners wanted to call to get in touch with you to talk about a little bit of Star Trek or maybe some old movies or maybe some Star Trek music, how could they get in touch with you? Oh, you can find me here on the network where I host Melodic Treks. I've still got two more episodes to produce. I'm sorry it's taken me so long to get to those last two episodes, uh, but I'm not gonna not do them i will eventually get to them uh you can find me as well as co-host of the edge which is our star trek discovery podcast and you can find me over on the fandom podcast network with good evening an alfred hitchcock podcast and uh our next episode that'll be coming out next month will be uh our review of season one of bates motel so if you want to check that out where uh i like that show it's really cheesy and over the top but it's going to be a I think it's going to be a fun discussion because it's a it's a pretty interesting show. So uh, check out Bates Motel, which has also been, had several episodes directed by Roxanne Dawson, believe it or not. So uh, check that out. You can find me on Twitter at Brandon Metella. And every once in a while, I poke my head up in the Babel Conference. And uh, Floyd, when you're not off sneaking pictures of the set, where can people find you? Yes, I would be. It's easier to find me in the Babel Conference, but I honestly, I've been taking a little bit of a break from social media. I've been so busy doing other things and I haven't really been getting in there. And I'm so sorry for those of you. I, I checked my notifications the other day and there were questions and comments that have been made and I tried to go in and make comments back. Um, but I'm going to try to get back into that as much as possible yet, yeah, but the Babel conference or even other Trek groups that we post to show announcements in, um, we sure love to hear from you. Uh, it really, it really helps us a lot when we see all those likes and those comments and things, because that shows that we're not just talking into the void out here in uh, Trek FM land. So thank you so much boomers for listening and join us again next time for another episode of warp five. <laughs>